Welcome to our podcast. My uh, guest today is Dr. Piet- Petra Schmidl. Um, welcome. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> and um, I will ask you uh, to uh, explain to us what is your position in the University of Erlangen and also your project. Um, at the University at, at Erlangen, I'm just um, a researcher. Um, I have a research position um, supported by the DFG, DFG, the German Research Foundation, and it's um, associated with the IKGF, the International Consortium for Research in the Humanities, that focuses on yeah prognostication practices in the Middle Ages and in China. And because the project I'm working on um, relates to this prognostication and prognostic practices. I'm associated with this um, this consortium. Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, association, let's say. <laughs> yes, it's where you develop most of your work uh, because of the connections between your work and their topics, their main topics of research. And what are your uh, main lines of uh, research? Um, I'm... I'm Originally, I'm a historian of science, mainly interested in pre-modern astronomy and astrology in the Arabic sources. Um, but um, due to my association in or my fellowships in Erlangen that came before, um, I got more and more interested in, in prognostic practices in general in the Arabic sources. And let's say a sideline of my, my research are, are astrolabes, especially how you can use them as sources for the history of astronomy and astrology so this is yeah these three things <laughs> well, astrolabes is a- another topic that is absolutely fascinating uh, yeah. and, and it has no end because we, when we get to it it's absolutely fascinating not only they are very interesting from the perspective of the history of science but they also are beautiful they, they are absolutely s- stunning <laughs> all of them yeah they are very fascinating instruments and they have so many different purposes yeah they are um if you're i remember some figures from the middle ages where you have persons holding an astrolabe high um just to denote it's an astrologer or something yes. like that so it's, um kind of astrolabes being an icon for example for for a profession if you want to say this for the middle ages that's, um, that's an interesting topic because they are so multifunctional, as a colleague of mine always says about, yes. <laughs> about them. We normally think the astrolabes only serve to measure the, the position of the stars or the sun, but actually they had dozens of uh, applications. Also, yeah. when it comes to measure the, the t- uh, buildings or distances in Earth, yeah. So they were like, uh, I, I normally say they are the grand, great-grandparents of computers. Yeah, uh, of our <laughs> due to their complexity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that's true. They, are, um, yeah, they have, let's say, some basic um, function like measuring the altitude of a star or of a building. But um, 
to go on from from this starting point there are so many um, possibilities you can use them for calculation for uh, um, for measurement but also for um, demonstrating how rich you are for example and, and and other other things to entertain people to demonstrate how skilled you are in using these instruments and so on and so on so there's a huge um, yeah, amount of, of but entertain people is something that I never thought, but really they, they can be very entertaining because they are so fascinating. Yeah, well, yeah. You, you can use them for teaching basics yeah, for in teaching. astronomy and astrology. So there are so many functions that make these instruments so fascinating, I think, until, until, until today. <laughs> until today, indeed. Yeah. Um, can we talk about your site and about your project, The Sultan and the Stars? Yes. One of my favorite topics. <laughs> so, yeah, I was looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what information do you need for the for the starting point? What I'm doing in this project, or um... well, I know uh, that you have this project is based on two documents, similar documents, one in Oxford, one in Paris. Yeah. And uh, th these are the sources, the source material. Yeah. And I would like to, uh, you to, to explain a little bit of the contents of these documents. Yeah. Yeah. From what I understood, they have astrological and non-astrological uh, contents. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have. Um, what we are talking about is a treatise from the um, 13th century Yemen that is preserved in one manuscript in Oxford. And as I learned by a colleague of mine from London in Callum, a couple of months ago there's another copy in paris and there is a um and the author of this treatise is al-ashraf omar he became later in his life the, um one of the sultans one of the rasulid sultans in the yemen and for two is, years apparently nearly yeah for a very very short time um that that's true yeah but um i i think he made his efforts in his scholarly efforts in the time before when he was, um, yeah. Before he became a sultan. Before yeah. he became the sultan, yeah. And the the two manuscripts are quite different. The Oxford manuscript is, is very well organized. It has um, a table of contents that numbers 50 that numbers the 50 chapters and give their headlines. And it's very beautiful made in black and red ink. To wow. emphasize parts, so it's um, it's really a beautiful manuscript, and it's not dated. The Oxford manuscript, and there's no um, no copyist mentioned, nothing. But a couple, of, um, several colleagues said it's most probably quite early, probably from the 14th century. So it's very close to the writing of the of the, the treatise, and it might be from from the Yemen. So this, the Oxford manuscript is very cl close to the original, most probably. There are a couple of reasons to say so. And the, the newly discovered Paris manuscript is quite late. It's from the, uh, I think, 17th or 18th century. And um, it's, um, it's, it's quite, quite a mess, let's say. <laughs> um, for example, there's no table of contents. The chapters are not numbered. There are a lot of parts missing in between, there are parts omitted. There is new material integrated. And the script looks to me like being from, let's say, generally speaking, from the East, either 
Iraq, Iran, somewhere there. But this is just the first first guess. To, to the script, just for be clear, is in Arabic. Yeah, both is in Arabic. <laughs> yeah, both in Arabic. But the the Oxford manuscript might be a Yemeni hand. But the um, the Paris manuscript, the younger manuscript, is something Eastern. Um, an idea is um, Iraq or or even Iran, but I'm not sure about it because I learned about this Paris manuscript just a couple of months ago, and I started to make a, a concordance to see what is parallel, what is missing, what is added, and it's just um, work in progress. Yes, so. but still being a, a not so good copy. Yeah, uh, it's still a testimony of the circulation of this manuscript, yeah. at least in that region. And this is this is one of one of the reasons why I'm so happy to have it. Yeah, because um, before I have only one manuscript, and I was all always suspecting that there might be something in the Yemen or, or another copy in the Yemen, but I couldn't find it. And so the question of distribution or transmission, or yes. was it even read? Um, was un un impossible to answer. And so now I have a document that tells me, even in the 17th, 18th century, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly. Well, four or five centuries later, later is a long it, time. It's still of, of, of interest to people. And this, I think, is, is quite an important point. Um, I think for understanding, for editing and translating the text, um, the Paris copy is not really helpful. But it has other, um, it stresses other aspects. For example, this um, interest in the topics, yeah, this that it moved somewhere out of the Yemen, apparently, yeah, and also these, um, the up, let's say, updates made in the Paris manuscripts are quite interesting because if you check in detail which parts are updated and why they are, might be updated, you learn a lot about, um, yeah. How you deal with knowledge? That was going to be my last, my my next question, because yeah. what they dropped out and what they brought in yeah. shows us how their interest shifted. Yeah, yeah. some things were not uh, uh, no longer interesting, and so they let them go, and other things they decided to incorporate. Yeah. So this is also very interesting in the sense that we can see how they um, how the how their interests changes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the reasons why I'm so happy to have it. <laughs> yes, finally. Well, yeah. I can imagine when we have this uh, second manuscript or some new finding in what we are researching. Well, it's such a joy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really a pleasure, and um, I'm, at the moment I'm, I'm working on, on a different chapter of the Tapsira to publish. But of course, um, the conga dance is still something that I work parallel to to get ready. And I don't know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, to make it clear, um, your project is called the Sultan and the Stars, and right. I will leave the link in the description. But uh, the manuscript itself, uh, it's called Tapsira Al yeah. Ilm, Ilm Al Nujum, the the knowledge yeah. of the stars. Yeah. The title is Kitaba Tapsira Fil Alma Nujum. Um, Lil Mubtabidi um, and so on and so on. It's um, this tapsira is some kind of, you can, if you like, you can translate it like enlightenment. enlightenment. This is one possibility. There are others, um, other, yeah, 
um, I have colleagues that translate it different, but it's in the end, it's an introduction or um, yeah, yeah, an enlightenment in the science. Clarification, of the perhaps. The clarification. Um, what is quite important because in the preface, he, um, the the author says it's for for beginners. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is um, um, an important point um, to see if this. Um, yeah, this claim he made in the preface, this is an, an, yeah, kind of introduction probably for beginners in the science of this dirt. If he really fulfills this claim in his treatise, this is one of my research questions. One of the questions you ask the document, yes. Yeah. And it is always amazing when they write an introduction, which is supposedly for beginners, how much they put in it. Yeah, and oh this is, God. yeah. And this is this is quite interesting because um, if you have a look on the chapters on the fifty chapters in the in the Tapsira, um, you can't recognize something like a organized schedule or something. Yeah, you have um, um, you have, for example, in the last two chapters in forty nine and fifty, he starts to explain the Hindu Arabic ciphers. And, to, um, and multiplication by them in the end of the treatise, yeah? But for example, he uses these ciphers in another chapter, in chapter 14 to, um, to make magic squares, yeah? Oh, so wow. this is not really, um, I would say, yeah, I, I still think about it, but my first guess is this is not that useful for a beginner. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were the not expected. Maybe they were not expected to read the book from the beginning to the end. Maybe they were expecting to use them as, you know, like uh, to go directly yeah. to some chapter. I, I, yeah. I'm just guessing. Um, this this is no. This is a very good guess, and this is parallel to my how I proceed with the with the project. I'm not doing the chapters from one to fifty. I just do. Um, at the moment, um, it depends on um, the, the people or the colleagues that could help me in doing the chapters, which one I choose. And it's because they are not that connected. Um, yeah, this, um, that it's um, ki rather a kind of reference book than a book you read from A to Z. Yeah, this yeah. is one of the ideas I have with it. Yeah. Yes. And probably this is one of my pet ideas. I don't know if you agree, but probably it, this was accompanied by um, oral tradition. Because books were more like a repository of knowledge. They would put just the tables and the knowledge, and then the teacher would uh, give the students everything that doesn't fit in a book, like their experience. Yeah. So uh, yeah. when we have the books, they are precious, but they are probably only a part of the knowledge. Yeah, or um, part of the teaching process, for example. Um, there are a couple of, of possibilities I'm, I'm thinking about, um, but at the end, I can't just take the preface where he gives some information why he wrote the book, and can take the contents and then see which um, ideas are probably more supported than others. But yes. to, get a, to come to a final answer, this will be not possible. Just, from <laughs> just guessing. Guess. Just guessing, but good guesses, yes. Regarding the contents, I have, uh, I have my homework here. <laughs> uh, I know that there are calendars and timekeeping and then numbers and ciphers, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. and also astrolo astrolabes, of course, and then astrological and non-astrological prognostication. Yeah, true. 
There are some things that are really um, strange and interesting, like the sighting of animals and the sounds of animals. But mm -hmm. then you also have the what I would call the classical uh, astrological uh, contents, like the mm -hmm. planets, yeah. the signs. So this is a very um, diverse book, very rich in information. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, for example, um, in, in the beginning of the Tapsira, let's say up to chapter... 20 or, or less you have um, ma many astrological topics you find in this literature these introductions into astrology for example written by Abu Masher, uh, Kabisi Which is also small <laughs> yeah so he, he um, writes a, an extensive book and calls it introduction <laughs> yeah that's true yeah but in the end he wrote his abbreviation too so this is quite handy oh, yes yeah <laughs> Um, but some of these, this basic information you find in these introductions into astrology in the Arabic sources is um, more or less exactly what you find in, in the beginning of the Tapsira. You have what you mentioned before, you have the terms, for example, this past, you have the Lord of the Triplicities, mm -hmm. you have the um, our chapter on the planets, their um, characteristics and so on. You have the deacons discussed, you have um, a chapter on the on the zodiacal signs with all their characteristics and attributions and so on. Um, Can I ask you something about the deacons? Because I'm curious. You know, there are two sequences. I don't know if you know them by heart, but there are two sequences. Um, one, the, the Western, so to say, is uh, begins with Aries, uh, begins with uh, Mars in Aries. Yes. But then follows the order of the planets according to yeah. the spheres. Yeah. And the one that is used in Hindu astrology yeah. is the one that follows the, the rulerships of the planets. For instance, yeah. for Aries, instead of uh, Aries, uh, Mars and then Sun and Venus following mm -hmm. the, the, the descending yeah. order of the spheres, yeah. it would be Mars and then um, Sun again because it's the ruler of Leo, but yeah. then instead of Venus, it would be it would be Jupiter because it's the ruler of the other side of fire, Sagittarius. Yeah. Which yeah. one, uh, if you remember by heart, I don't know which um, which one does he use? He uses the he uses the first ones. He, he starts with um, with Mars and Aries and proceeds um, according to the organization of the arrangement of the of the, the spheres. spheres. Okay. Um, that's the general one. The the thing is, um, this is the chapter I've just published. I think on Saturday. Um, um, wow. on my homepage, um, there, um, there's a, a very strange part in this um, chapter I do not understand yet properly because he, um, he, he seems to introduce another tripartition of the, of the zodiacal signs and attributes them to the planets and um, I couldn't find this, this kind of tripartition in, in other sources oh, but I will um, I will ask further colleagues if they are familiar with. And so if you are interested to have a look on it. Of course I am. <laughs> the, chap the chapter is online. If you have any idea about this strange kind of tree partition. I'm Do you remember some of the sequence or just? Um, oh, probably not. Wait. How does it work? It, it um, hmm. I can I can look I can take a look later. I think it was um, 
it uses the lot of the triplicities oh, and yeah. attributed them to the thirds of the zodiacal signs. Oh yes, 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 th yes that is exactly. Um, he uses the the lot of the day for the first third, the and, and the night, the and then the participant. Yes, oh yeah, right. that is something that uh, they sometimes do. Yeah, for several reasons. For instance, I, I don't remember the sources, but I, I can look up. Yeah, later. that would be great. They they do this for two main applications. One is for timing. The for instance, yeah. the the lords of the triplicity of the ascendant. The first would be for the first third of life. Mm -hmm. The second for the second, and the third for the third. Yeah. And yeah. the the condition of this this planet in the chart would uh, determine how much or how good or how difficult would be the mm -hmm. each part of life. Yeah. The other application is for certain houses. Um, it's the, the lord of the sign that is in the cusp of the house. Mm -hmm. So the triplicities would, uh, let's say the ninth house, for instance, it is related to religion, travel and knowledge. Mm -hmm. So one yeah. of them would be for religion, the other for travel and the other for knowledge. Mm -hmm. I can give you the sources. I don't remember by heart. but uh, It would be great because one of the problems in the, in the TAPS era is that he usually does not mention any of his sources. Oh, but that I'm is quite, strange. Um, but I'm quite sure that he um, he's very familiar with the traditions and I'm quite sure that he does not record something new. Yeah. So what uh -huh. he's um, doing in his other treatises is, for example, to um, adapt information to Yemeni conditions. Yeah. Um, but he does not um, invent new things. So I'm sure he has also found this tripartition of the of the um, zodiacal signs somewhere. I if can I, send you the sources. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If I could find well, it in the Arabic. Let me say, I'm not sure if this is the case, but uh, I, um, I can send you, and you can compare. I check it. I compare it, and probably um, I, I as a um, it, it might be a Latin source, right? Probably yes. Well, yeah. uh, I th I'm not sure if it is not one Arabic source. I think it's an Arabic source. I, I have to check. There are so many. Wait. You know how it is. We have uh, all these ideas, kind of. Yeah, uh, just let me get back to what you said, which is very, very interesting. You said that he does not quote sources, which is strange because most of them do. But mm -hmm. also that he tries to adapt uh, what he does to his reality, to the yeah. Yemeni reality. Yeah. That is very interesting because it's about respecting the tradition, but also mm -hmm. being sensitive to the, to the context. Mm -hmm. And they yeah. try to get this middle term between tradition and context. Yeah. And the other thing you said, is like, he does not bring anything new. I think in the, in the 13th century and later throughout all the medieval period, yeah. the top, uh, the, the, the top, a sign of knowledge was not to bring anything new. It would be like to be an expert, to attain excellence in mm. whatever there is. So yeah. the, the idea of bringing new things, although they although they all contribute to their own uh, with their own experience. Yeah. If you read like Ezra, for instance, Abraham ben Ezra, he mm. gives all the tradition, and then he said, "But I say this," yeah. and it can be it can be quite quite aggressive, <laughs> uh, but um, they they. Their, um, a, their top expression of knowledge would be like to be an expert in the tradition. Yeah. The idea and of bringing something new would be like 16th century. Yeah, but this, um, let's say, this idea of bringing new, this is true for his, um, his Kitab Tapsira, for yeah. 
for the treatise I'm working on, but he also um, wrote, for example, an, a treatise on agriculture. Um, a colleague of mine, Daniel Risco, is working on at the moment on an edition and I think a translation too. And here's the idea that um, that he incorporated um, Yemeni information he collected by by traveling through the country. So this is this is a different situation to, to the Tapsir. And the Tapsir, I would say, um, especially the astrological chapters, he relies on let's say some general information astrology. Yeah, and probably he just do not mention the source because it's well known. Yeah, it's common knowledge. It's yeah. common knowledge. Yes, we still offer. Yeah. These treatises so this, on astrology, yeah. the one that you mentioned, they are absolutely fascinating for me. Uh, and they, there is this book, the, the Last Pagans of Iraq. It's about mm. Nabataean yes. astrology, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know this. This is very interesting. Lots of astrological references. Yeah. So I'm sure that this treatise also has this kind of approach of, of agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to, to read it because I would love to compare with the Nabataean astrology. Yeah. Um, Is it Nabat published? No, not yet. He's working on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah, you know, editing and translating Arabic manuscripts is not... It's a little bit no. time-consuming, yes, time let me say. Um, but... Just one word to, to your interest in this tree partition. Um, I decided to publish um, chapter by chapter online before um, making altogether a book. And this is exactly the reason to get um, additional information by colleagues who are more familiar with some topics than I am. And just to encourage people to, to contact me if there is something they can add yes. to my Yes, this is also something that I would like to stress, that uh, your work is um, accessible to, to scholars and uh, they can discuss with you certain aspects of it if, and yeah. you're open to discussion. And this is, this is a very interesting way of going about uh, research, like promoting the, the exchanges between scholars. That yeah. I hope you, you get lots of people uh, talking to you. Uh, to 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 contribute with new perspectives to your text. Yeah, I'm just in the in the beginning of the project, so let's see what what happens. But um, this was um, I, I thought this is a good idea because the chapter has so many topic um, topics. And besides these astrological basics, in the beginning we have calendars, we have omens, we have some medical things, mathematics, geography, instruments, and yeah. In geography, and you yeah. just said the magical word because I really love astrological geography. Does yeah. he attribute uh, signs or planets to regions or kingdoms? Um, yes, he, he does, but not in the geographical parts. He does it in the astrological chapters where he introduces the planets and the zodiacal signs. And one of the attributes he adds is oh, I see. regions to, to the signs, for example. Because uh, one of my projects would be to collect all this information and to see how it works. I have a published uh, chapter on a book on this, but uh, it requires more work. And uh, the way they, they focus on the attributions, first of all, it shows their interest because they are focused more in the Middle East or in Europe or in yeah. any other region. Yeah. And also it shifts 
Yeah. And sometimes we see the persistence of memory because there's this attribution. It had, it had a reason, but no longer exists, but it's still there. So yeah. this is also a very, very fascinating topic. Uh, the other thing, can we talk about colors? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Although this, uh, the I have to admit the research I've done on the colors is, is quite a long time ago. It's more than 10, 10 years old. Well, the, the, the manuscript was written a long time ago also, and it's still relevant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. Um, now, the colors is a very fascinating topic because the, the descriptions of the colors he attributes to the planets and to the zodiacal signs are very detailed. And this is one of the, and this is one, let's say one hint, um, because I have this quite often in Tapsira that it's general tradition, yeah? But then um, you find some details. Um, it's really difficult to track down. For example, this tripartition of the of the, dec of the, of the zodiacal signs. Yeah, you fa don't find it in Abu Masha, or I couldn't find it in Abu Masha, for example. I'm not sure if it is in Abu Masha. One yeah, of the things, so but I will send you the link. I will send you a few a few um, topics on this because yeah, I, I remember this. I don't remember who wrote about yeah, this. But it's it's um, let's say a little bit parallel to the colors. Yeah, you have. Um, information you read and you think oh this is all very well known in this time and very common and so on and so on and then oops uh, what's that here so <laughs> yes yeah. and, and the same is with the colors you have the, the attribution of plant of this association of planets and colors is quite old but then you get such a detailed description of them and the question is maybe maybe here is where he brings his own knowledge into because what i noticed here is that uh, although we all know the attributions like uh, the Mars is red and Saturn mm -hmm. is black and all these yeah. things, but then he goes into such detail. And the interesting thing, he goes into details that are related to physical objects. For instance, yeah. the moon, he said it's white, but also the color of uh, the blade of a sword, yeah, like green. So yeah. he goes into detail. Probably this is his own experience of color. Yeah, I, I think this just... Um um i had to to come to 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 end when i published this article yeah but i'm quite sure it's worth further research and to check if um the kind of descriptions he uses you really can't found in other in, in other sources yeah but this is um concerning the arabic manuscripts you know how how few are edited and translated and, and yes. easy accessible so this is, is quite different. What I'm really looking forward is what I um, skipped for the for the article was the association of the zodiacal signs with the colors, and they are also very not that detailed in the planets' colors, but um, also detailed. And um, probably we'll find when I have finished this chapter, there will be more to to discuss and probably to find the sources. Yeah. Do they do they uh, do the colors follow the elements of the signs or they are completely no. random? Well, I um, am very curious about that. I'm not sure if they are random or not. I, I can't tell. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, random for us, not random for them. Yeah. Um, let's say when I read the chapter and did the first edition, I can't see any rules or um, relations that tell me um, why this color yeah but you have the same problem with, with the planets that Mars is red is quite obvious but the other colors yeah 
and I think with the zodiacal signs, science it's even more complicated. But it's as far as I remember, it's not related to the elements. Um, so I am curious. And yeah. could it be related to the ruler, or I don't know, to the ruler of the exaltation or something? These are all very good ideas. I have to check. <laughs> Sometimes oh, they, they, they value the, not only the ruler, the domicile ruler, yeah. but also the exaltation. For instance, for Libra, uh, we have Venus, but we have Saturn as the exaltation. So yeah. probably they will relate it to a darker color. I think I read something here about um, Capricorn and Libra. And we think like, oh, Capricorn is Earth and Libra is air. So... What's the relation? The relation is Saturn because uh, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn and Libra is the exaltation of Saturn. So I, I read something in your article about this. Yeah, yeah. This I don't is, know. Um, yeah, but it might be not, um, worth to, to proceed with this that you check the, the dignities of the, of the zodiacal signs, which are there, and see if you can relate it to, to one of the planets, for example, or to one of the dignities or the shares. So... Mm. It's worth a, a look, of course. It's, a, it's a, an attempt to understand. Yeah, I'm not saying that it is, but uh, we can take a look. I'm very curious about this. And yeah. um, what I got from, from your article is that uh, this author, he seems to be um, including his own experience because he agrees, uh, I would say he agrees with the general colors like red for Mars yeah. and uh, uh, white for the moon and so on. And then he goes into details. Yeah. Um, if, he in, um, if he relies um, on his own experience, I'm not sure about, yeah? Yeah, I'm um, not sure in, either. <laughs> in, 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 the, in the case of the colors, but... Um, it seems to be so in when, when coming to his agricultural treatise, yeah, that he's relying on his own or to experience he became recorded by, um, for example, by farmers or something like that, yeah. So um, I think a, a person who is interested in, in to listen to people and to include such knowledge, if this really becomes the result of um, Daniel Risco's research, this is just a the first information I read in his articles that it seems to be yeah, some kind of knowledge from, from yeah, many farmers he integrated. So this, but this gives you an, an idea of what kind of an author you have here yeah, and how interested he is in topics. And um, you have to take this into consideration for the Tapsira too. That's, that's for sure. Yes. Well, um, I am looking forward for new chapters. I haven't read all the, the ones that you have, but I have take a look. And uh, it, is, it is fascinating. I, I think these manuscripts have so much to give us. And if we actually look at them and develop the, the, the time to, to translate and study them, they begin like um, connecting to other, to other manuscripts, to other knowledge. It's yeah. fascinating. This, this was one of the reasons why I decided to to do an English translation too, because I think there might be relations to, let's say, to the Latin sources or to to India or, and you know, all all, all we scholars are restricted to our language areas, and so <laughs> I thought another translation is helpful, um, but it needs time. <laughs> 
<laughs> the other thing I would like to address just to finish our conversation is uh, calendars and timekeeping, which is also another very, very interesting topic. You yeah. mentioned that the manuscript has some chapters that are dedicated to calendars, timekeeping. Yeah. Yeah. And this is such, um, such a difficult thing to, to do. Even today with our uh, clocks and computers, timekeeping mm -hmm. and to be precise when mm -hmm. it comes to time. So what, um, can you give me an idea of the contents of these chapters? Just before we go. Um, yes, um, the one of the timekeeping chapters has tables that give you the altitude of the sun at a specific point of the day in, in during the course of the year. Um, it gives you, for example, the altitude of the sun at midday, but also for for the beginning of the afternoon prayer, one of the five prayers in, in Islamic um, rituals. And this is one thing. And um, what is still published from the Tafsir is the Almanac. Um, this is published by Daniel Riscos in, the in 1994, I think. And this is really, um, it gives information on, on the lunar mansions, gives information on um, navi not, not navigation, what's going on, this, on the sea. So ships coming to Aden and ships leaving Aden. Tides? Um, not, not the tides, just ships coming and going to, to India. Oh, and so it's more information about seafaring, yeah, and, and such information are included there. And there another chapter, there's a similar chapter with similar information. And another one deals with the con converting um, calendars from one calendar to the other. So if you have a Muslim calendar, you want to go to a the Egyptian calendar, not to the Byzantine calendar or something, then you have these converting rules. This is another one. So this would be the kind of information that um, a very learned person would need to convert yeah. one calendar to the other. And the, the other thing you said about uh, the, the, the position of the sun in a, a prayer, probably it would be calculated by uh, an astrolabe, I suppose. Um. Or can you just look and... Mm, you need some kind of uh, an altitude measurement. Sorry, cat bombing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about this. Um, well, it's a classical. Oh, sorry, it's a classical on um, online meetings. We always have kind of a cat bombing. Go. No, it's it's fine with me. Um, Sorry. The, the cat, um, the cat that, who, is, who lives here at the moment. Um, sometimes also jump on my desk, so That's I had it in I had it in video conferences too. Yeah, so just <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no problem. How oh, is, is, he's is returning. What's that? It's its name. Oh, his name is a very strange name. It's a Portuguese name, Marafado, because it's a it's a typical dialect word meaning. Uh, in, used in the south of Portugal, Algarve, it means like a feisty or something like that, because he came from that part of the country, Algarve. Cute, really cute. <laughs> like it. Ten years old <laughs> already. Ten years old, why? It's quite an age. Yeah. Well, <laughs> apparently he's interested in the manuscript also. <laughs> so, great. Um, great. Uh, would you uh, like to say something more? Is there something else in the manuscript that I left out? It's um, it's a rich content. I think we can talk another part about it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but <laughs> I can just encourage people to, to have a look on the on, on my projects page. And if they want to know more, just to contact me, then... Okay. I will leave the, your uh, link in the description. Great. Yeah. Or I will leave your link. And uh, I hope you have contributions, interesting contributions. There are a lot of people studying astrology uh, in academic level, and they have very, very interesting ideas. And if we can connect all these ideas... Yeah all these manuscripts will come to life again. That's the, the interesting part. What you have is a 13th century manuscript. So yes. very old, very early, if you prefer. And um, this is precious. This is absolutely precious to understand how they, how they used to study, how they thought, what they were interested in. So yes, um, I, I'm looking forward for new chapters and Thank new you. translations. And I will send you the um, this idea of the triplicities. Mm, it yeah, be, would be great. Mm -hmm. It could be interesting. I'm not. I, I don't know if it is what you are looking for, but yeah. it's it's a possibility. Great. So thank I you. think thank you and uh, goodbye for now, and uh, we will speak soon. I hope. Great. Great. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you. Ciao.